John chapter 17 this morning. John 17, and we want to begin reading in verse 24 and read down to verse 26, the end of the chapter. John 17, last three verses in this chapter. We will not finish the chapter today, but we will look in these three verses together. Jesus Christ is, of course, praying. And uh, this is sometimes called His high priestly prayer. And in verse 24, He says, Father, I will that they also whom Thou hast given Me be with Me where I am, that they may behold My glory, which Thou hast given Me. For Thou lovest Me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, the world hath not known Thee, but I have known Thee. And these have known that Thou hast sent Me. And I have declared unto them Thy name, and will declare it, that the love wherewith Thou hast loved Me may be in them, and I in them. As a matter of review, remember that this prayer is prayed just before our Lord entered into the Garden of Gethsemane. In chapter 18, verse 1, we read, When Jesus had spoken these words, He went forth with His disciples over the book Kidron, where was a garden into which He entered and His disciples. As soon as this prayer is over, he leaves wherever it is that he is praying and enters into the Garden of Gethsemane. This prayer was a request that all that the Father had promised him, promised to the Son of God before the foundation of the world, that everything promised to him might be fulfilled. That he would see and receive and the, the magnification and the glory that God had promised him, that all that were given him would be saved. These are the things that he is praying for. In this prayer, our Lord prayed for his people. It is important to see how the Lord Jesus Christ views his people. He says, I pray for them, I pray not for the world. He distinguishes His people from the rest of the world. He does so now at the end of this prayer in these last three verses. Since He is God, He has seen His people as being given to Him by His Father before the world began. Since He was sent into the world to be God's substitute for those people, He saw His people having gained eternal life. Verse 2, that He gives eternal life to as many as Thou hast given Him. And thirdly, including uh, in the phrase, His people, He would pray for those who are not only present during His ministry on the earth, but to all who would believe through their word to the end of time, as we have seen in previous. Our Lord's view of the work of God was an eternal view. And I think it would do us good to view things more that way than to just look at things day by day on the earth. We have to do that. 
I'm not saying that we ignore what's in front of us. But I think for us, especially for those of us who are Christians, to nurture and to teach ourselves to view things from the, uh, from the idea of eternity. That beginning in eternity past, the Father gave to the Son a people. That Christ came to save them. And that every one of them are sure to be with Him in eternity future. So that God, the Lord Jesus Christ on the earth, views His ministry, views this prayer in light of eternity, from eternity past to eternity future, as to use those terms. He is praying that all that, that has happened back there will be culminated on the earth and finished in heaven. And so we see Him as He begins in eternity past, giving God, uh, having God given Him all of His people. And we see Him about to offer Himself on Calvary's cross as their substitute to die in their place, to take their place under the wrath of Almighty God, take their sin so that His righteousness may be given to them. And then we see Him now praying that all who have been given to Him all that He will redeem would be with Him in heaven. Verse 24. Father, I will that they also whom Thou hast given Me be with Me where I am. Father, once again we hear words that reveal the relationship between the Son of God and, the, and His Father in heaven. Once again, we are instructed from the Scriptures that the Godhead is a trinity, a triune God. That there is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And in these, this verse, we see the Son communing with the Father. And in this prayer, we see the Son communing with the Father and the Father communing with Him. Three distinct persons, each fully God, and yet at only one God exists. And this is a mystery, as I've said to you very often, but it is nonetheless true. And here is the Son of God, God Himself, addressing His Father in Heaven, God Himself, and making a statement, I will. And once again, we learn that the Son of God is completely committed to accomplishing the will of God on the earth. He had already said to us way back in John 6 and verse 38, For I came down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of Him that sent me. And now He prays, Father, I will. And when we read, Father, I will, we can be assured that that statement is in complete agreement with the Father's will. That I am praying and doing what I do to do the Father's will. I came down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of Him that sent me. And now I'm praying, and in this prayer I'm also praying to see the completion of the Father's will. I will. So we see here that He remains committed to the complete agreement with His Father regarding the final destinies 
destiny of those who have been given to Him. In John chapter 6, in verse 38, I came not came down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of Him that sent me. In verse 39 of John chapter 6, He continues by saying, And this is the Father's will which has sent me. This is it. He says there in verse 39, that of all which He hath given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. And then verse 40, And this is the will of Him that sent me, that everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on Him may have everlasting life, and I will raise Him up at the last day. Father, I came not to do my own will, but to do Your will. What is Your will? God's will for the Son is that everyone that He was given would believe on Him and would gain everlasting life. And if they die and are buried, everyone would be raised up and be with Him in heaven. That's God's will. That's the Father's will. And so when Jesus Christ says, Father, I will. He is not imposing His will upon the Father, but He is committing Himself and His will to the Father. We'll look at this in just a minute. But there is another will of Jesus Christ that I want to just insert here. And we won't see it exactly like this in the Gospel of John, so I want to insert it here at this time. The I will in John 17, 27, is the will of God. It is the will of the Son of God who is in perfect union with His Father, asking for that which both are in agreement with. Both. But there is another will that shows up when He's in the Garden of Gethsemane. And if you have your Bibles open, go to Mark chapter 14 in verse, 20, uh, verse 36. And this will is the human will of Christ. Remember that Jesus Christ is fully God and fully man at the exact same time. One undivided person. Fully God and fully man at exactly the same time. And there are some verses that where the humanity of Christ shows up. And then there's verses where the deity of Christ shows up. But it's one person. And it cannot be divided up. One person, fully God, fully man, exactly the same time. In, John, in Mark chapter 14, in verse 36, we see the human will of the Son of God being made subject to the divine will of the Father in heaven regarding Calvary. Our Lord said these words, Abba, Father, all things are possible unto thee. Take away this cup from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what Thou will. You see the nevertheless there? This is human will. If I can escape this somehow. He knows He's going to die. He knows what's coming. He knows what is before Him. He's God. He sees what is there facing Him. And in His humanity, there's this moment when He prays, Father, You could take this cup if it is Your will, but if, but if it is not, Your will be done. 
And so we see this humanity and this divinity. John 17 verse 24 is not humanity but divinity. It is the I will of God in complete agreement with Himself. In John 17, 24, we hear the Son of God asking for the divine, the absolute, and the unthwarted will of God. He's asking for the will of God that is always accomplished and which will always come to pass. There is a will of God that will always come to pass. That no man, no demon, no no circumstance could hinder it. It will come to pass. And that's what is being spoken here. Father, I will. Absolute, unthwarted determination that this come to pass without any hindrance. What is He asking for? I will that. This is what I'm asking for. That they also whom Thou hast given Me be with me where I am. I will that every one you gave to me in eternity past be with me in eternity future. That's what I'm asking. This is the absolute, divine, unthwarted, always come to pass will of God that is being spoken of in this text. Those whom Thou hast given me, those are the ones that He is speaking about. Again, we see our Lord using the phrase that teaches us how our Lord came into possession of His people. How did He come to possess a sheep? How did the shepherd get the sheep? How did the, the, how did the Lord get His servants? How did God get His sons and daughters? How did that happen? They were given to Him by His Father before the foundation of the world. I will... That, what? Those whom Thou hast given Me be with Me where I am. Now, brethren, I I want us to take some time and let this sink in because this is not the first time in this chapter that phrase has showed up. And if you have your Bibles, I encourage you greatly to look with me now. John 17. Look in verse 2. John 17.2 John 17.2 says as Thou hast given Him power over all flesh, that He should give eternal life to as many as Thou hast given Him. There is the first time that it's mentioned. Jump down to verse 6. John 17, verse 6. I have manifested Thy name unto the men which Thou gavest Me out of the world. Thine they were, And thou gavest them me, and they have kept thy word. One of the characteristics of those that belong to Jesus Christ, one of the characteristics of those who've been given by the Father to Jesus Christ, is when they hear the word of God, they want to keep it. Whatever amount they know, from this much to that much, whatever it is, they want to keep it because they understand it to be God's Word. I have given them Thy Word, and not only have I given it to them, but they want to keep it. They have kept Thy Word. Verse 9, I pray for them. 
I pray not for the world, but for them which Thou hast given Me. For they are Thine. They belong to You. John 17, verse 11. And now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world, and I come to Thee, Holy Father. I come to Thee. Holy Father, keep through Thine own name those whom Thou hast given Me, that they may be one as we are. Keep, preserve who? Those You have given to Me. Verse 12, While I was in the world, while I was with them in the world, I kept them in Thy name. Those that Thou gavest Me, I have kept. And none of them is lost, but the son of perdition, that the Scripture might be fulfilled. Not one is lost. All that the Father giveth Me shall come to Me. And him that cometh to Me I will in no wise cast out. I've come down from heaven and do the will of My Father. And what is the will? That every one that the Father has given Me shall have everlasting life. And that I would lose none of them. And that I would raise them up in the last day. John chapter 17 and verse 24. Father, I will, they also whom Thou hast given Me be with Me where I am. You see how many times that shows up? But brethren, this is not the first time. John 6 and verse 37. All the Father giveth Me shall come to Me. I just quoted it. Who will come to Me? All that the Father giveth Me shall come to Me. And him that cometh, I will in no wise cast out. John chapter 10. John chapter 10. Again, this truth comes up in verse 27 through 29. In John chapter 10, Jesus is speaking of His sheep. And He says, My sheep, in verse 27, My sheep hear My voice, and I know them. And they follow Me. And I give unto them eternal life. And they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of My hand. And then He says in verse 29, My Father which gave them Me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of My Father's hand. Where did you get your sheep? My Father gave them to Me. Where did you get your people? My Father gave them to Me. Where are all these sons and daughters of glory? Where do they come from? My Father gave them for me, to Me. And what did you do? Well, I prayed for them and I died for them and I, and I prayed for them again. And the Spirit of God went after them and gathered them up. And one day in glory, Father, I will that those that You have given Me, that they which have been given to Me will be with Me where I am. This is not a will that can be thwarted. This is the absolute divine will expressed by God Himself. This is what I am willing out of my volition to come to pass. This is what I want. I will that they be with me where I am. He prays for the complete deliverance of all who are true believers from all their sin, from all their enemies, from all their troubles, from all their trials, whatever it 
has caused them to be a Christian on this side. He prays, Father, that they would be with Him in glory and all that's gone. All the tears wiped away and all the disease gone and the sin removed and the enemies defeated. They're going to be with Me in glory. They're going to be with Me. Praise for every believer so that He is assured that everyone given to Him by the Father, will enter into heaven and will see Him in the fullness of His glory. This that He prayed for, He has already promised. John 14, verse 2 and verse 3. He promised that this would come to pass. John 14, verse 2, In My Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. That where I am, there you may be also. I promise you that I am going. And in my going, there's going to be a preparation of a place for you. And if I go and prepare that place for you, I promise you that I will come back. And if I come back, the purpose will be that to get you so that you could be where I am. This was promised by the God Himself. John 17 and verse 24, this was prayed for by God Himself. And in Matthew 25, this was performed by God Himself. Three Ps for you to remember easily. Heaven promised, prayed for, performed. Matthew 25 and verse 31 Matthew 25 and verse 31 says, When the Son of Man shall come in His glory, and all the holy angels with Him, then shall He sit upon the throne of His glory, and before Him shall be gathered all the nations, and He shall separate them one from another, as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. And He shall set the sheep on His right hand, but the goats on His left. Then, verse 34 says, shall the King, who is the Savior, who is the Lord Jesus Christ, then the King shall say unto them on His right hand, Come, ye blessed of My Father, inherit the kingdom, prepared for you from before the foundation of the world. Something has been prepared for us. Heaven has been prepared for us from before the foundation of the world. Jesus went and made sure that all that had been given to Him by the Father would be able to enter into there at Calvary's cross. He's accomplishing everything necessary to make sure that all will come into the presence of the Almighty and be there with Him. It was promised, it was prayed for, and it shall be performed. Go with me to the book of the Revelation. The book of the Revelation chapter 7. And God pulls back for a moment the curtains of glory. And we get a glimpse into the very presence of the Almighty. 
the Lord Jesus Christ enthroned upon His throne in heaven. Revelation 7 verse 9. John says, Revelation 7 verse 9, And after this I beheld, and lo, a great multitude, which no man could number, of all nations and kindred and people and tongues, stood before the throne and before the Lamb, the Lord Jesus Christ, clothed with white robes and palms in their hands and cried with a loud voice saying what? Salvation to our God which sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb. It belongs unto you. We are here because you saved us and salvation is to our God. How many are there? A number which no man can number. How did they get there? The Father gave them to the Son. The Son purchased them. Oh, there's another P. Promised and purchased and prayed for and performed. Add that to your list of words. Promised, purchased, prayed for, and performed. Purchased by the Son and then prayed for by the Son. And as time rolls and years pass, Sinners are being saved out of every nation. And one day, it's all going to come to an end. And the Son of God is going to come back. And the heavens are going to open. And there's going to be sheep on His right hand and goats on His left. And all that were given to Him of the Father are going to enter into glory. Praise the Lord. Because He prayed for Him. He prayed for Him. I pray that they will be with me, that, in order that, they may behold my glory. Verse 24. John 17, 24, I pray that they will be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory, which Thou hast given me, for Thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. Here is the purpose of His request. That we may be with Him in heaven to see Him in the fullness of His glory. That we may behold the glory of Jesus Christ. That we may see Him. That we may see Him as He is in heaven. That's how our Lord is praying. Remember, brethren, some had seen Him as the Son of Man. Some had seen Him born in a manger. Some had seen His mother and father take Him up and flee for their lives into Egypt. They had seen Him on the eighth day in the... Some did in the temple in Jerusalem where He was circumcised. And Simon said, now I can die. I've seen the salvation of the Lord. And... And, uh, and a few saw him there. And then he fled off into Egypt. And then he came back and he lived in, in, lived in, in, in Galilee. And, and they saw him in a carpenter's shop. And they saw him laboring alongside his father, his, his stepfather, Joseph. I'm going to insert that phrase. And, and they saw him as a, as, a, as a skinny little kid 
picking up shavings and bringing boards to his father. And, and then at the age of 12, and he went, he went to Jerusalem every year uh, at the Passover with all the Jews. And, and at, the end of, at the end age of 12, they, they had left going back home and a big caravan of people. They, they thought, well, he's, he's with aunt or uncle or somebody. And, and they got, where's Jesus? And he wasn't there. And, and some had seen him at the age of 12 teaching in the temple to the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And then heard him say that he would submit himself to his mother and his father, but that he must be about his father's work. And they didn't understand. And going back from the age of 12 for the next 18 years, we hear nothing about him except that he is committed to his mother and to his father. And then at the age of 30, he comes on the scene at the baptism of John in the wilderness. And they see him in the flesh. And they see the heavens open. And God declaring, this is my son, whom whom I am well pleased. And then the heavens close again. And he goes about his ministry for the next three or three and a half years. And they see him tired. And asleep in the ship because he's tired. Or sitting on Jacob's well because he's tired. They see him eating because he's hungry. They see him drinking water because he's thirsty. They see the Son of Man. And He's teaching them. God is teaching them. But they see the Son of Man. And they see Him. They will see Him in a few hours taken captive by angry Jews. And then they will see Him before Pilate and before Herod. And they would see the Romans scourge Him and they would see Him on the road from uh, Jerusalem out of the city to Calvary, to Golgotha. They would see Him weak and bleeding and frail. Someone has to carry His cross for Him and they will see Him hanging at Calvary's cross and they will see Him die. And they will see His body taken down and buried. And they will see that aspect of things. And then three days and three nights later, they will see Him rise from the grave. And and they will not believe. They will have a hard time believing. And He says to Thomas, stick your hand in My side. Look, it's Me. And He eats with them. And He speaks with them for the next 40 days or so. And He instructs them. And then they see Him ascend up into glory. And they saw something of Christ raised. But in all that they saw, they did not see Him sitting enthroned in glory as a King of kings and Lord of lords, full of grace and mercy, full of glory. They could see glimpses of it. Like we have seen glimpses of it. Our Lord is now asking His Father that those who believe in Him might also see Him in the glory of His victory. In the glory of a king sat upon a throne ruling and reigning the whole universe. In the glory of being surrounded by angels and seraphim and cherubim and the sounds of glory Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, being attributed to Him. 
Our Lord is praying that they would see what they have not been able to see up to this point. The word glory, again, is used in reference to that which is given to the Lord Jesus, to that which distinguishes Him as who He is above all others. That glory, that which makes God God, that unexplainable glory that none other have and none other possess. And Christ has a glory which none other has, as we'll see in a minute. The word glory, used in reference to the Lord Jesus Christ, refers to that which distinguishes Him above all others. Sets Him aside as the singular Savior of sinners. The word glory refers to that which was given to the Lord Jesus Christ by His Father. Because He had obeyed His Father and He had accomplished the salvation of His people. In John 17 and verse 1, these words spake Jesus and lifted up His eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify Thy Son that Thy Son may also glorify Thee. In the book of Philippians, we read in verses six, chapter 2, verses 6-11. through 11. If you want to turn there, you can listen. Write down the text and listen as I read. Philippians 2, beginning in verse 6. Speaking of Jesus Christ, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made Himself of no reputation, and took upon Him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, and was, he humbled himself and became obedient, obedient to his Father unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore, because of that, verse 9 says, God also hath highly exalted him. God has lifted him up above all others. God has given him a glory above all others. He has exalted him. And what else has God done? Given him a name which is above every name. And that purpose was that at the name of Jesus, every knee would bow and every tongue would every knee would bow of things in heaven and things of the earth and things under the earth and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and all of that to the glory of the Father which is in heaven. Amen. There is none above Jesus Christ in heaven. Everyone saved and lost will bow before Him. Everyone saved and lost will own Him as Lord. The saved will own Him as Lord and go into glory. The the lost will bow, and when He says, Depart me, me, they will say something along the lines, Yes, Lord, as they depart off into hell. Because He rules and reigns over all. Every tongue. Bring this goat before me, and He bows to His knees before the Lord. And the Lord says, Depart. Yes, Lord. Bring that sheep before me, and He bows before the Lord. And the Lord says, enter into the kingdom prepared for you from before 
the glory before the foundation of the earth. Yes, Lord. Every knee will bow. Every tongue confess. When we see Him in heaven with every enemy defeated, when we see Him in heaven with all the angels and created beings in heaven singing the praises of Jesus Christ, when we see Him in heaven like that, we will see Him in His glory. Father, I pray that those You have given me will be with me where I am. Yes, we're going to heaven, brethren. If you're a believer in Christ, you're going to heaven. But why? So you can see Christ in all of His glory. And we'll join the angels and the saints before that have gone before you in that chorus. Hallelujah. The Lord God omnipotent reigneth. The word glory refers to His eternal glory that distinguishes the Lord Jesus Christ as fully and holy God and fully and holy man having accomplished the will of God to save sinners from their sins. He says in verse 5 of John 17, And now, O Father, glorify Thou me with Thine own self, with the glory which I had with Thee before the world was. Glorify me with that glory also. For He had laid aside that Shekinah, that glory that before which no man can stand, which no man can see and look upon and live. And he had left it and he had become a man and you viewed God in the flesh but not in the fullness of the glory of God. But in that day you'll see Him in the fullness of the glory of God. We have tasted a little of that. If you're a Christian, you have tasted it. Paul writes to the Corinthians and says, For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts. To what purpose? 2 Corinthians 4.6 To what purpose? To give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. To give us something of the light of God. Something, I say, because we have only seen a little. Because we can't fully comprehend who God is on this side. Believers see in the Lord Jesus Christ more glory in Him than they see in their own works, than they see in their own efforts. A religious man will look at his works and efforts and lay it aside as dung that he may have Christ as his Savior. A sinner may look at his works and see the sinfulness of it and turn and say, Lord, remember me. A leper can look at himself and see himself vile with corruption of sin and says, Lord, you can cleanse me. He sees all of this and says, none of that will do. I need Christ. I need Jesus Christ. I see in Him more glory than being a Catholic. I see in Him more glory than being a Mormon. I see in Him more glory than being a Baptist. I see in Him all that I need. All that I need. Believers see in the Lord Jesus Christ more glory than any man-made religion. Any man-made religion that has come along from the time beginning 
in the New Testament time, any man-made religion that puts in man-made traditions and man-made ideas, they look at that and they turn from it because they see in Christ more glory than works. More glory than infant baptism. More glory than walking an aisle, praying a prayer. Something in Christ is more glorious than that. Believers see in the Lord Jesus Christ more glory than any honor or privilege or praise that the world could bestow upon them. How can you believe that seek honor from men? You cannot. You will not. If you seek men's glory and praise and honor, you will not believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. But if you look at all the praise and the honor and the glory that can be heaped upon you by the world, and you take an honest assessment of all that the world can give you, and then take an honest assessment of Jesus Christ, you will look at that and turn to Christ. All of this is temporary. Yes. All of it. It's temporary. Only in Christ you have an everlasting life where you can behold Him in His glory. When we are carried into heaven at our passing, we will see Him as He is. We have glimpses of Him in the Scriptures. There were some who saw Him as He was. But we will see Him as He is. John writes in 1 John chapter 3, verse 1 and 2, Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore, the world knoweth us not because it knew Him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. And it doth not yet appear what we shall be. We don't see and cannot see what we shall be, but we know, we know, we are confident that when He shall appear, when Christ returns for us, when we are brought into His presence and He appears before us, we shall be like Him. (laughs) But we shall see Him as He is. 1 John 3, verses 1 and 2. I want them to see the glory that you have given me and to recognize that you have loved me before the foundation of the world. Verse 24, Father, I will that they also whom thou hast given me be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory which thou hast given me for because thou hast loved me before the foundation of the world. The phrase before the foundation of the world is the same as the phrase before the world was in John 17, verse 5. Verse 5, remember, our Lord said, And now, O Father, glorify Thou me with Thine own self, with the glory which I had with Thee before the world was. And so, before the world was in verse 5 is the same as before the foundation of the world in verse 24. Same phrase. Same reference. It refers to eternity past. To a time in which the triune God lived in perfect harmony 
and perfect communion with each other. It refers to a time when there was no creation, no time or matter existed. Just God. It refers to a time God's love existed in perfection. When all three persons of the Godhead loved each other equally and in such fullness that there was no lack of love within the Trinity. Do not believe the preacher who says that God wanted to be loved and therefore created. There was something missing in God. He wanted to be loved and therefore He created man and male and female. He wanted you to love Him. Don't believe that. God existed in perfection. In perfect love. With nothing lacking. There's nothing lacking in God. This is the time that Jesus is speaking about. He wants those that believe on Him to see that. To understand it. To grasp it. Because it is in that love that the Father has for the Son that it is spilled over on us. It refers to a time in which the sheep, the elect, the people of God were given to the Son of God. And they having been given by the Father to the Son whom the Father loved with a perfect love. And because we were in Him, He loved us too with a perfect love. It refers to a time in which God bestowed His love on His elect because they belonged to the Son of God. Belonged to the Son of God. God the Father loved the Son of God with an eternal love and that love spilled over on every one that the Father gave to the Son. So the Scriptures could say, uh, quote God is saying, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Therefore with cords of, I have drawn thee. Cords of loving kindness I have drawn thee. Thank you. When we enter into heaven and see the perfect understanding, the perfect understanding the love that is shared of the love that is shared between the Father and the Son, when we see that, we will be more fully able to grasp the love that God has for us. We see through a glass darkly now. We grasp glimpses. We catch a word here or a word there from the Scripture and, and we hold on to it. But we know in the depths of our heart that there's got to be more. There's got to be. Because we've seen it on the pages of the Scriptures and God has said something. And God cannot lie and and we've tasted but a touch. We've touched the hem of His garment, but we haven't embraced Him in the fullness of who He is yet. We have Him. He's ours and we're His. But when we see the love between the Father and the Son, something of that love wherewith God has loved us is going to be understood in that day that we have never been able to understand on this side. <coughs> never been able to. We will understand the love that led the Father to send His only begotten Son to the world. We will understand 
The love that led the Son of God to Calvary's cross in order to bear our sins for us. We see it. We know that He's there because He loves sinners, but we we can't grasp the fullness of that. But in that day, when we see the Father's love for the Son and the Son's love for the Father, in that day we will grasp what Calvary was. We can grasp what the death and the burial and the resurrection of Christ was all about. We can understand something of the love of the God that continues to seek sinners for 2,000 plus years now out of every nation and kindred and tribe and people and family. And we look at the long-suffering of God and we look at God's work in saving sinners from Adam to the end of time and it, we marvel at it and we can grasp it and we can say it's because God loves sinners. But when we stand in glory and see God's love for His Son and the Son's love for Himself, we're going to say, oh, that's what it was all about. what it was all about and I thought I knew a little of it but I didn't know not not an ounce of it but I thought I did after years and years of walking with Christ I thought I understood what it meant to be loved by God but when I stand before him in that day there's going to be something in that presence that my words fail to be able to express but my soul knows about To understand how and why we can never have been separated from the love of Christ, which is in God, uh, love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. We read the words and we rest our soul upon Him because God has promised it. But to understand it, to sound the depths of it, to climb the height of it, we we confess. We don't know how it's possible. We see ourselves as as we understand ourselves and we seldom look at ourselves as God does. In that day, we'll know something more than we know today. And if you're here this morning without Christ, listen, listen, you've heard how God loves sinners. You've heard it. And maybe you thought, maybe them but not me, But that's an unworthy thought to be attributed to God. A history of mankind is the testimony of God's love for sinners. And so if anything about the love of God has touched your heart this morning, if anything about Christ going to Calvary's cross for sinners because He loved them, has touched your heart this morning, then you come to Him. He will not cast you out. He will not cast you out. And child of God, the knowledge that God the Father loves the Son of God means that the Father loves us too. We were given to His Son, whom He loved, the Son of His love, And the exhortation of Scripture is keep yourself in the love of God. And we don't often stay there. And we don't often, if we get there, linger there. Sometimes we can't find it. But it's there. Search for it. Search the Scriptures. 
Believe what God has said in His Word about you. Let's pray together, brethren.